So we here at Eye to Eye are glad to have a brand new array of partnerships and sponsorships, local and otherwise. And this episode is going to be brought to you by Janique Locks. This is my homegirl, Regina, who takes care of my hair. Y'all see how good that looks, right? Anyway, yeah, so she specializes in all kinds, dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you are in the 757 and you're interested in potentially starting this process, don't hesitate, man. Go ahead and visit her. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks, and that is G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S. Again, Instagram at Janique Locks, or why don't you go ahead and visit that website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, now let's get to this podcast, yo. What's happening, folks? Welcome again to Eye to Eye, short for Inspired to Inspire. The podcast is all about being open, honest, and real about having conversations of life and faith. And of course, as always, being willing to boldly go uh, where most folks ain't trying to. And uh, today, uh, I am happy because we have someone who is very, very inspired to no longer be nice. Um, and I think that that's, uh, it's going to explain itself in just a second, but we want to welcome to the show, uh, the amazing, the awesome, uh, pastor, author, teacher, inspire, doctor, doctor, yeah, the doctor, praise the Lord, doctor. Yes. Uh, Sharon Hottie Miller, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Good. How are you guys? We are doing, we're doing, are we doing well? I'm doing nice. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> you're nice. Here we go. It's, it's, it's just, I'm sure you're prepared for this. I'm sure. Probably. Uh, yeah. Um, he, uh, Devin is the is the dad of the group, so look for nice dad jokes to probably emanate themselves throughout wow. this entire conversation. You're not doing my comedic wit justice by I, saying I'm, I'm full of dad jokes. I, I mean, no, you you got other jokes as well. Okay, but, that's true. But you are the dad, so technically, I am. I am the dad, the you, tired, exhausted father of two. Ah, yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. And Sharon, you say you've got three, right? Yeah. So my oldest is seven. My middle just turned five. And then my youngest is just turned two. Mm. And so we've got two boys and a girl. The youngest is a girl. And she is... She just like rules the roost. Like we all are, we just bow down to her, basically. Okay. Good. Okay. So it's it's God, it's 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 Jesus, and and yeah. then it's her. This is exactly yep, why my much. wife okay. yeah. just wanted boys because she's like, I don't need to compete for supremacy. I will be the queen of the house, and that's it. Yeah. Like, we had two I mean, boys. I really that's like. It. I don't mind. I mean, she has my husband just wrapped around her finger, mm. and I get it. Like I because she's so cute we just can't say no we just can't 
So it's fine. That's I'm good. fine with it. I might need, it is easier to say no to boys. Yeah, I, I guess it, it is. is. I might need to introduce you to my yeah. brother, though. My brother has a gorgeous girl, and I think, oh God, is she 10 now? I'm old. This is sad. Uh, and uh, no, he's he's been he's been good at saying no to her for, for quite a while now. And I was, I was oh, very really? impressed. Yeah, no, trust me. I, uh, trust me. It, it was shocking. I heard him yeah, say Yeah, he no needs to start like a support group for my husband. Exactly. So. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't have a child yet. Should I ever have a daughter? Can I sit at your feet and just just glean, just convert, just learn? <laughs> I just want to do that. No, that's yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have boys. One of my greatest joys is to tell them no, in fact. That's <laughs> <laughs> How old are they? They are three and a half and six. So pretty okay, close so to, to your kids' ages, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. and you're, so you're saying no a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Just nonstop. Yeah. You should witness it. it. It's it's great. It's so good. Yeah, I'm glad Although, you're having fun with this. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you got to be real careful though with his youngest. His youngest can take him out. Yeah, like, probably youngest, beat the crap out of him. So he's got to yeah. be careful saying no to that one. But yeah. the other one, yeah, it's it. yeah, his, his, his nickname is Bear. His, it is. Oh bear. man. Yeah. He is. He's a little stocky thing, man. Like, I yeah, we've got one of those too. Our middle. He's already. He's only five, and he's already. Abs. He's got back muscles. <laughs> back muscle. He's got lats. Abs yeah. and back. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's impressive. Adults. It's impressive. Oh my so gosh, I'm 40. I've never we, had those. We can never connect our boys. We can never. They'll take over the world. Okay. We'll, we'll be sure that that does not happen. Yeah. In Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. So, uh, Sharon, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, life with you currently. What's uh, what's going on? What are you doing? Um, what's what's happening in your world? You you pastor. Talk about that a little bit yeah so we are in durham north carolina the raleigh durham area and this is actually where my husband is from i'm originally from charlotte but i've lived in this area for most of my adult life and so this this is home for me but we uh went to school here went to seminary here we spent a few years up in chicago for more school we've just been in school way too much <laughs> and then came back down here and then about a year and a half ago we planted a church and it was something that we never we swore up and down we would never do like we just never felt called church planting uh we always kind of we thought church planters were very entre- entrepreneurial you know <laughs> kind of big like hype people and that's just not us. And so we just thought, you know, that's good for other people, but not for us. But about, it's actually probably coming up on three years ago now, uh, God gave my husband a vision. And that was really, unlike us, we're not vision people. We don't kind of casually throw around the phrase God told us, but it was like a middle of the night kind of a thing where he felt like God said, I want you to plant a church and this is where I want you to plant it. Wow. And so we spent the next six months just praying for confirmation and it came and it came and it came and it came. And so we, a year and a half ago, we launched a church exactly where God told us to pretty uh, much. I like that praying um, for confirmation. And it was Lord, really... It was, yeah, it was, yeah. And he was like, yes, (laughs) you're going to do this. Um, But yeah, it was amazing because even just the location, we're in a movie theater in the main mall in this area. It's just kind of the community center in a lot of ways. And churches had been trying to get in there before and no one had ever been able to. And God just made a way where there was no way. And so it's, it's, been wild and hard but it's also 
been because of the way that it, it came out, like the way that it unfolded on those hard days, we can kind of look at each other and say, you know what? This was not our idea. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And so, yeah, so we launched. He has the lead pastor title, and then I have a teaching pastor role. Um, And so I teach, I preach about once or twice a month. And that, for me, works right now just because our kids are so little. And I travel and I write, and my bandwidth is is pretty slim. And so just having the teaching pastor title gives boundaries to my role as a pastor at our church. Mm -hmm. But it's been really, really great. I love pastoring with my husband. Uh, We really, really enjoy that. We co-teach a lot. So it's been fun. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, well, um, in addition to that, you say that you write, so you've you've written some things, and one uh-huh. of those things is sitting in front of me right now. Um, it is an amazing book that <clears throat> I honestly will tell you will not have enough time to talk about in, in, in my world as far as I'm concerned, because I would like to break down every single chapter. Are you able to come back for like the next 13 days? There, there are 13 chapters. If we do that, it'd be longer than the audio book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, but yeah, we want to talk about uh, nice and uh-huh. why you should not be nice. So if you could, please. Um, I know for somebody's going to be listening to that, 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 that if uh-huh. that's all they pick up, it's like, oh my God. We're well, I mean, uh-huh. if they listen yeah. to us at all, they're going to assume we already don't advocate for nice. This is true. This is very, very true. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we advocate for love. You know, we advocate yes. for all of you, but no, we ain't, we ain't nice. Forget it. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah, um, do me a favor. Why don't you uh, paint us a picture? Why don't you give uh-huh. us a Bob Ross uh in, in detail of, of, of uh-huh. what nice is really all about the book itself, why yeah. we love to be like, but how God uh-huh. calls us to uh-huh. be more. Why don't you lay that out for us a little bit? Yeah, so uh. it's it's funny because some people have, I'm, like occasionally people kind of tweet at me and say, you know, don't you think we need more, like look at the world, you know, don't we need <laughs> <laughs> nicer yeah. people? Yeah. And I'm like, just read the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's exactly um, the conversation I was having with Jordan. Yeah, I was like, oh, just I'm like, what? She wants us to be mean? And he's like, no, yes. you have to read the book. Oh, okay. Read the book, <laughs> <laughs> um, But just to give you kind of some context where the book came from. Okay. So uh, I guess it's been over two years ago now. I came out with my first book, which was called Free of Me, Why mm-hmm. Life is Better When It's Not About You. Yes, Lord and Jesus. And in the first chapter, I think it's the first chapter, I had this little paragraph that it wasn't very long, and I was just reflecting on my childhood growing up. I grew up in the church, and I have a really wonderful Christian family, wonderful Christ-like parents. And so that's how I was raised. And I was a really good kid. I never had a rebellious phase. Um, Even though you I did. never, I was just, I was not like a rule breaker. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was good in like high achiever in school, just followed the rules, never broke curfew, all that. And so in Free of Me, I was just kind of reflecting on why I was a good kid. And at the time, if you'd asked me, I I probably would have said it had something to do with my faith, you know, that I 
listened to my parents and I honored my pastors and all that because of my faith. And that was true in part. But with a little bit of hindsight, I could also see that being a nice Christian girl was very beneficial to me. Mm. Uh, I needed approval. Like approval was and still is important to me. And so it got me the thing that I wanted. And so I could see in hindsight that my motives were actually more layered than I would have said at the time. That I I wasn't sure if I was nice for Jesus or because it got me things. So So I wrote that just a few sentences in free of me. Didn't think I would write anything else about it. But I continued to think about it and feel kind of haunted by that idea because I realized that that wasn't a tendency that I had left behind in childhood, but that I'd carried with me into adulthood and that it was, I'd also carried it with me into ministry. Mm. And I realized that a number of years ago when I felt like God was prompting me to write about a topic that is kind of controversial in our culture. And it's not controversial in the Bible, but it's controversial right, like, right, in our culture. Right, okay. And I was hesitant about it. I was worried people wouldn't understand what I was saying or that people, I would lose readers on my blog, that people wouldn't like me, you know, right. stuff like that. Right. This is the story and, of Sharon Breaking Bad. This is what's happening. What it really sounds like is the, the Christian version of what Tom Green tried to do, but we can leave that alone. Wow. Keep going. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just had kind of a moment where I sort of had to look myself in the mirror and say, I'm hesitating to speak about things that God is not unclear about. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of the opinions of others and because of our particular cultural moment. And that was when I started grappling with how if you want to be a nice Christian woman in ministry, the rewards are great. Mm-hmm. You, There's actual money to be made if you just stick to being positive and encouraging. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. But being obedient and faithful to preaching the full witness of scripture, it comes with a cost. Mm. And I I just had to reckon with, am I going to continue to serve this image, which serves me, or am I actually going to serve Christ? Yeah. And that was the birth of this book where I realized, okay, I need to... I need to reckon with this more because this image of the nice Christian woman, it looks like the real thing. It looks like what we're called to in a lot of ways, but it is bearing bad fruit. Mm-hmm. And so that was the the birth of it. Wow. You mentioned uh, bad fruit, and that was something that you mentioned uh, frequently throughout the book. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the questions that I had was, you said that, the fruit will look good on the outside, but it's bad on the inside or rotten on the inside. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we know that before we start mm-hmm. eating? <laughs> mm-hmm. how do we, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's the big that's the the struggle that we have in discerning authentic faith in others, but really even authentic faith in ourselves. 
is that nice Christianity, which so many of us are raised into. Like, if were you guys raised in the church, either of you? Yes. I might be a preacher's kid. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know then. I I wasn't raised quite that way. I was more probably like you, where my parents had, Mm -hmm. you know, grew up in the church themselves and Mm -hmm. are married for, you know, 40 Mm -hmm. plus years. And, you know, I was the good kid. My brother was the terrible one. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Actually, no, that really was my case. I Uh was the good kid. And so I, I, I didn't rebel like for uh-huh. rebel until after I got out of college. But uh, uh-huh. uh, no, I, I, to that point, um, yeah, your story was my story to an extent as well because I remember, um, can't remember. I think it was maybe in right now the the one with the cynicism, uh-huh. um, and uh, you were speaking on how you know for you everything was just straightforward it was what you did and you made uh-huh. sure everybody knew about it i think you were talking about how you cussed out a boyfriend because of his family's habits um yeah and yeah i definitely uh-huh. the, the irony with the difference between you and me is you know you probably never did it and i was doing that to everybody and then a few years later i was doing exactly what i was telling people they should not be doing so we'll do oh, that alone interesting. uh yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah hypocrisy uh-huh. defined yes. it's a beautiful yeah. beautiful thing but um yeah uh so Uh, But you you can like, because both of you are raised in the church, you also know how to hide those things Mm -hmm. because you, if someone were to ask you, how are you doing spiritually? Mm-hmm. You know the answer to get Hallelujah, that. Hallelujah, brother. I'm Jesus blessed. is yeah. doing a work in me. I'm highly flavored. Oh. Yeah. I am so highly flavored. I am. Mm-hmm. The blood of yeah, the lamb like you, runs through my veins. Mm, glory yeah. to God. Yeah, you guys know the answer. Like yeah. you know how to give the right answer. Right. And and that's and not even in um not even in just flagrantly hypocritical ways, but even if you're just not growing. Right. Yeah. You no, can the, give the appearance of growing. Yeah, the the clichés are strong with Christians. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so I that's what makes it so you can deceive other people but you can also deceive yourself or almost like I'm fine. Like I know I'm like I I feel fine. That is the great deception of nice Christianity. Right. And so that that is the big question. So how do we discern the difference between nice Christianity and true discipleship to Christ? And Jesus himself gives us the the answer, which is that you know a tree by its fruit. Yeah. And so that is what a good portion of the book is looking at. Okay, what are the bad fruit of nice Christianity when you've discipled yourself into essentially the image instead of the real thing. And so, you know, the, one of the most obvious ones is just like a lack of authenticity where Mm -hmm. you're one thing, you know, with one person and another in private or just an unwillingness to say the true thing or the hard thing in an honest conversation because you don't want to be rejected. So that's, you know, probably the one that we usually think of with niceness, like we equate niceness and fakeness, but the, the one that probably was the moment of personal conviction was recognizing the bad fruit of cowardice. Okay. And when I knew God was saying, you need to write about this, and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> scared. Yeah, no, that's not yeah. cowardice. Yeah. Um, just, and uh. so that was the like personal recognition moment for me. Um, another one that was really, you kind of, Jordan, you mentioned this, but self-righteousness was another one because I was so 
I was good at looking good. And so the people around me who were not good at looking good, I was kind of like, well, what's wrong with you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead of owning that this is your own sin, like right, self-righteousness right. is like actual sin. Yeah, meanwhile, um, these are the people that, that we should be reaching out to and realizing, yeah. uh-huh. like, wait, <laughs> if if they mm-hmm. can't even put on the the false face of happiness or niceness, then yeah. they probably really mm-hmm. need us to <laughs> connect uh-huh. with them. Yeah, it's like um, yeah. What is it the uh, the 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 parable that Jesus tells uh, about the the Pharisee who's who's in the who's at the altar in the sanctuary talking about Yeah, Lord, thank you that I'm this and oh uh, yeah, this, thank and you that right I'm not like yeah, the, yeah, the tax, tax collector, yeah, yeah who's <laughs> tax got his head uh-huh. bowed real low, just like Yeah, my bad, God, I I I suck at life. I need uh-huh. forgiveness. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So my, my hope in writing about these fruits in the book is that people could, because some people will say, I mean, some people, when they hear the topic, they say, I don't know if I need this book. Like I'm not that nice, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ooh. My um, wife and I joke about that a but lot. I, yeah. But I <laughs> wanted to write it, uh, to as kind of a self-diagnosis to kind of present these different rotten fruits because Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of us don't actually see this image-driven, you know, approach to faith. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that this these naming these fruits will be helpful for people and identifying it in themselves. Yeah, Yeah, we just we don't know the symptoms because we're so wrapped up in it. Yeah. That makes makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense. Do you think people are becoming more aware of kind of the that phony niceness, um, that uh, inauthentic approach mm-hmm. that people have, because I I feel like we're so wrapped up in that that it's almost becoming a little bit more mm-hmm. prevalent in culture when there's certain people where you just kind of get this mm-hmm. sense of that person seems disingenuous or that, yeah. that doesn't seem yeah. I mean, we are our culture values authenticity really highly mm-hmm. and almost to the extent, and I write about this that it's become a marketing tactic with mm-hmm. companies where right. they have a product and they want it to feel authentic mm-hmm. because they know that authenticity sells because we value authenticity mm-hmm. so highly. And so there's a great irony in that, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because we also um, only value it to a point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think also, I think you're seeing it even like in church planting world, one of the conversations that's happening right now is it used to be the attractional church was the big draw, you know, kind of putting on like the big show with the lights and the like fog machine and the really right. cool pastor with yeah. the skinny jeans and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and the deep V-neck t-shirt, that, don't forget. Yep, super, yep, super the deep V, the deep v. Down to the top um, of the abs. They, yeah. But that's sort of like moving. It's almost like that peaked mm-hmm. yeah. and people are actually suspicious of it. Right. And you have to lean more towards authenticity. Like if people yeah. don't think you're authentic, they won't trust you. Yeah, people are and wanting so the I acoustic think, version. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, but here's the thing, though, is I think it's people outside the church who actually value authenticity more highly. Uh-huh. Uh, I wonder <laughs> how many people inside the church Ooh. have caught on to that yet. Hold on now. Yeah. Hold on. Don't, don't. Okay. I mean, you know, we don't, no, I'm just kidding. We go there. Uh, <laughs> <that's funny. laughs> 
Yes. I'm, I'm going to take a slight bend to that too because I know um, uh, one page that just stuck out in my mind is when I can't go past page 42 for some reason. Um, I mean, I have, but uh, you were talking about the fruits of the spirit and it kind of yeah. leans into the same thing you're talking about um, and having a sense of, you know, the fruits, low joy, peace, and having a sense of mm-hmm. false joy. Uh, mm-hmm. because it's a chapter on fake and I just um, pull out uh, the passage specifically it's like in addition to being flimsy which was already hilarious you said the word flimsy uh, <laughs> false joy is also unconvincing um, that's what made mm-hmm. me think about it uh, the world sees through it people don't trust it in our effort to convince people of the goodness of Jesus we end up accomplishing the opposite uh, yes. we come across as frauds because the average person knows there's no such thing as infinite cheerfulness even Jesus wept, reminding us that unquenchable positivity is not what we are called to, nor does it reflect the human experience. Please touch up on that and how you, uh, <laughs> 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 so we, we already know how you came to the conclusion, but what, what, uh-huh. what, what caused you to like really pull that out and extract that uh-huh. and, and expose it really is what happened. Is, is, is what yeah. So that's the chapter. I think that's the chapter on authenticity. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so in that chapter, I was looking at the ways that we almost fake our way through the, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, because we know what the fruit are. Mm-hmm. And so we we seem to think we can just put on the appearance of joy, you know, put on mm-hmm. the appearance of, of peace. And what ends up happening is, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of Christians feel this pressure from an actual love of Jesus. Like they want people to love Jesus. They, they want to remove obstacles to Jesus. And so they think if I can just put on joy, like all the time, just this unswerving, like unflappable joy that (laughs) I am, I am like good PR for Jesus, you know? (laughs) Um, PR, come on now. And so I think, I, I actually think very often it comes from a good place, but knowing that it is unconvincing, like if, if you know someone who's just never seems to let on that something is difficult, unable to access the grief and the sorrow of this world, that is unconvincing and inaccessible to most people. Like, I I think they want to know that you're a human being who who struggles and who grieves, but that's also why we need Jesus Mm -hmm. because it, life is hard and we need people to be able to see us walk through grief and take our grief to Jesus, not to just float above it the whole time. That's not realistic and it's not helpful to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned something about kind of Christians striving to be, you know, more Christ-like. Like that's kind of the the whole purpose of this Christian journey through mm-hmm. life is to be more Christ-like. I think the problem though is that sometimes Christians, we look at Christ as being perfect because mm-hmm. he was, Yeah, but mm-hmm. our idea of what perfection is versus what he actually was perfect in, uh-huh. we tend to now take our worldly view of what perfect is, which is constantly uh-huh. joyful, constantly happy, never struggling. Uh-huh. And yeah. we try to emulate that thinking that that's emulating Christ when in reality, that's not at all the perfection that, that he was. Uh-huh. And yeah. you talk a lot about the, the courage and the bravery and, uh-huh. you know, authenticity is a big one. Uh-huh. So one of the 
thoughts that I had too when I was going through the book. You had mentioned being authentic and especially in leadership and sometimes leaders can do things and if they're nice, then their congregation or the people following them will cover up all manner of sins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how do, because most of us, we want to follow somebody who is where we want to be in life, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're trying to to attain a certain level. So if we're following our pastors or we're following our bosses or mentors, it's because we want to Mm -hmm. get to that point. How do Mm -hmm. we, how do we train people? If our leaders are being authentic, that means we're going to see the flaws. We're going to see Mm -hmm. the issues that they have. We're going to see the struggles they're going through. How do we train Mm -hmm. people to be okay still following people that we know are flawed? Because that feels kind of opposite of of how we look at leadership, at least from a society or cultural view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question and a complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first thing that came to mind as you were talking through that is one of the the lies of nice Christianity, of niceness, is the belief that we are winning people to us. Right, right. Okay. Right. As a way of winning people to Jesus. Okay. And I think that is the crucial breakdown in healthy leadership versus toxic leadership. Okay. Is you are not winning people to you. <laughs> right, right. Come on. Yeah. You know, and that is really important on the days when you do fail. Because you need to be able to say, you know what? I'm not the savior. (laughs) (laughs) I I can point you to him because I need him too. But I'm not the savior. And so I don't have to protect my image. I don't have to protect your respect of me or your esteem of me because I'm not the hero of this story. Yeah, right. And I think that finding a leader who also knows that distinction and finding a church who understands that distinction. Right. Because what happens is you have leaders who are winning people to themselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they are unwilling to be honest about their sin. They're unwilling, they're unrepentant about their sin sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when that becomes especially sick, is when the church becomes complicit in that yeah, and also believes if their sin gets found out, it'll be bad for the church. It'll be bad for our reputation. And so we have to prevent that from happening. Boy, That's you are when you start setting see... me up for some serious <laughs> political talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what I had in mind. But, uh, I know, but uh, yeah, um, it's something I've yeah, been seeing. I mean, and I think, like, <laughs> I think we see that happening we see that happening in churches where a pastor's sin is exposed. And Mm -hmm. instead of saying really for the good of the pastor, he needs to be removed from this position. He needs to heal. He needs to repent. Like he needs to grieve the effects of his sin. Like all of that, you see churches kind of circle the wagons and try and, they go into damage control mode Mm -hmm. and how do we, you know, this is going to hurt our reputation. And I think there's this belief that it also hurts the reputation of Jesus. And 
it does not hurt the reputation of Jesus. <laughs> you know, right. Jesus is fine. Right. Right. <laughs> Jesus wasn't caught in that hotel room with the. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, yeah, no. Um, people yeah and so it all it does is it ends up hurting the victims you know it ends yeah. up hurting the very people that we're supposed to be protecting and mm-hmm. it taking also care of future followers of christ exactly yes because if i'm because it corrodes like it corrodes the integrity like yeah. it corrodes the trust that people have right and and i think hypocrisy is kind of the biggest turnoff to our culture and the church today there's mm-hmm. it's a widening chasm oh lord have mercy mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, 100%. yeah i know um other things is every time y'all say something it leads me to another place in the book uh y'all should really get this book just shameless plug uh but yeah i and also this one kind of struck with me because well first of all happy black history month um yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I love in uh the section uh, in, in that talks about hard page 102 103 um when you make a reference to this in regards to grace and mm-hmm. at best you know just uh, being unaware of our need for grace or at, at worst being unaccepting of god's grace which i know we everybody struggles with um but you uh you talk about that and how um out, even outside the church uh in a societal level uh we 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 suffer from this and it says a uh, grace uh god's grace should never be deployed as an excuse for injustice uh-huh. um, as if oppression reflects the unpredictable favor of God. Uh, Uh Nearly every Old Testament prophet forbids us from this kind of silence. Uh Boy, the second I heard that, she almost got up and ran in Starbucks. Uh, (laughs) So when we excuse corruption or injustice on the basis of quote unquote grace, we are usually doing so for convenience's sake. When we enlist grace, again, quote unquote, to protect ourselves or causes or our people, it is a self-serving cheap grace that has nothing to do with the real thing. Um, I just, I would love to be in your head for like yeah, a month, a good month just to, to, to get what, um, is there an experience that's attached to that? I, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, there's probably a lot of experiences, you know, one of the things I looked at in the book is the prophets and how as a woman in ministry, as I said, it's very beneficial. It's, it is financially beneficial. Like I cannot emphasize that enough is financially beneficial. If you're a woman in ministry to say, you know what? I'm just going to talk about insecurity. Like <laughs> I'm just going to focus on self-image, body image, you know. <laughs> Love yourself, girls. Um, my, you know, to say works. like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about world events or things like that. And I think we can spiritualize it even and say, you know, those topics alienate people. Um, they lose people. Mm-hmm. They're distracting from the gospel and a part of me is like, who are they losing? Like, <laughs> also, what are you like, reading? who are you losing? What are you reading that this isn't addressed? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, but you look at the the prophets and in the Old Testament and how unpopular they were, mm-hmm. and they right. were rarely elevated and given positions of honor. You know, they're remembered well, you yeah, know, in yeah. hindsight, but yeah. lots of times they, their lives were terrible because they were saying things that people didn't want to hear right. and how that is our 
inheritance in a lot of ways, like that we, mm. we take up that legacy. Mm. And okay. so one of the things I talk about is what we forfeit when we choose niceness over discipleship to Christ. And one of the things we, we forfeit is this prophetic witness yeah, that we're supposed right. to have in our culture where we stand, you know, apart and are able to say with, you know, moral authority, this is wrong and this is not what we're called to. And we have just utterly forfeited that. And part of the reason why is it's either what we see happening is either people just not talking about things because it's not nice, you know, you want to be nice, or you have people who will say quote unquote hard things, but they'll say it to people kind of like out there somewhere, Mm -hmm. Um, like pastors saying their pulpits and saying the world this, you know, and the world that. And what's fascinating about the prophets is they spoke to Israel, you know, they were speaking to their own people and saying, Hey, home, family, like we need to get our house in order. Mm -hmm. And that is what, you know, prophetic witnesses is speaking to the people that you're closest to speaking to your, your audience, the people that if they reject you, it will cost you. Um, So that's what I, that was, was what I, I wrestled with a lot. Um, I think I, you know, speaking of, of black history month, um, Martin Luther King's, uh, letter from the Birmingham yeah. jail mm-hmm. um, yeah. is just searing in its um, <laughs> accuracy and continued relevance. Yeah. And oh, yeah. when when he says, you know, it's it's you. Um, what is the language he uses? The um, I'm blanking. He he talks about the people that are sort of like the middle of the road. Yeah, right. Like they like they can say they can say like of course racism is bad. Right. Like that's what they'll say. Of course racism is bad, but like your timing, like your or your your strategy, like it's just <laughs> maybe maybe there's a better way right. to do it. And and Dr. King is saying you guys are the worst like <laughs> yeah, yeah no and, and I, I hear a lot of that i hear a lot of that um yeah and it's it's fascinating because i just preached uh, a couple months ago on the cost of discipleship and Ooh, i was wanna... reading back about dietrich bonhoeffer yeah. yes familiar yeah. with him? i have very, the unabridged um, book it's huge and <laughs> Yeah, it's the German gentleman yeah. who hung out with all the black people in the yes. New York when he was here. Mm-hmm. But he he said I was reading about just Cheap. his life and it's it's very like what he experienced was very similar to what Dr. King was writing about there because yeah. he he's growing up in this German church mm-hmm. and he's watching the rise of the Nazi regime. Mm-hmm. And the the horror is not just seeing some Christians sell out completely to this racism mm-hmm. that's happening there, but the horror is also seeing people who are able to say Hitler is a bad guy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I disagree with this guy. Is what he's doing right? No. But I think it makes the most sense for us to kind of meet them in the middle, you know, like we, like we can say that he's bad, but it's, it, 
maybe we can like make some compromises. Like that seems like the most expedient thing. And just the, the horror of sitting next to people, like growing up in a church with them and thinking we are following the same Jesus and we are reading the same Bible. (laughs) And I thought we were doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. but now you are negotiating with this evil man. Yeah. And, and so it's it's not the it's not the people on the front line who are doing the lynching who are sending Jews to concentration camps. We think they're the bad guys. But the reason all of that was able to happen is because a lot of really nice Christians just mm-hmm. looked away. Yep. And that haunts me <laughs> <laughs> well that, that makes that me. makes three yeah. of us i think to, to bring it to relevant times it's kind of like well if he just mm-hmm. stopped tweeting yeah and it's like um well no because then that exposes exactly what's going on in the hearts mm-hmm. and the minds yeah. uh so, yeah so on you know as we talked about at the opening uh we like to go places that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't your book mm-hmm. talks about having the courage to do that and being mm-hmm. nice oftentimes doesn't lead you to those discussions mm-hmm. so yeah. one of the things that i find i struggle with and jordan would probably agree with this how do we engage in those conversations that people deem not okay you know mm-hmm. the the race conversations mm-hmm. the political conversations the morality conversations how do we engage mm-hmm. people because those conversations need to be had mm-hmm. but so few people are willing to have them how do mm-hmm. we engage people who aren't willing to because i personally believe ev- everyone needs to have those conversations they need to learn yeah. they need to understand not only more about what they believe mm-hmm. but what other people believe and mm-hmm. but a lot of people just shut those conversations down yeah this is such a hard there's not one answer, and I'm sure you guys know that. Like, there's not one answer to this question. True. Well, just know that um, this is all your fault for, mm-hmm. making, for, for having this reading. <laughs> yeah, because I always thought it was being right nice, <laughs> and now I'm told I can't be nice to them to engage them now, so now I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't yeah. saying that. I was just saying because the books are not going good, boy. Come well, on well that one too. of the things that I really take issue with is, and I write about this, is this idea of certain issues being political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. To me, that seems like such a tool of just the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. Where he gets to say, he gets to wrap red tape around certain things that the Bible talks about Oof, right. and label them as untouchable because they are political. Oh, no. And so I think we need to just be honest about the fact that if Jesus talks about it, we talk about it. Right. Yep. And just because it's somebody calls it political doesn't mean all of a sudden, like, we can't talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I just, whenever someone says, oh, that's just a political issue, you know, that's, it's just a trap because I've, I've watched, like, I have a, a good friend who's a well-known author and with our previous administration, she was really vocal about refugees. Like she cared for refugees, <laughs> very, very vocal about it. Then our administration switched. Mm-hmm. She didn't change. Okay. She didn't change at all. Okay. She was being just as vocal about refugees as she had been before. But people started to accuse her of being political. 
and they started ah, to accuse ooh, her yeah. of speaking about things that she should stay out of. Ooh. Right. And it was like, no, she's been saying these things. <laughs> like, I would read her, I would read the comments on her Instagram where people would say, like, why weren't you talking about this two years ago? Right. And she was like, <laughs> I, I was. was. Yeah, look, look at my history, yo. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. yeah. And so it's, it's so... Um, telling to the world when our priorities shift based on who's in power Mm, and we really have to work hard to be consistent to 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 be regardless of who's in power and that's what i love about that example is it wasn't she wasn't not talking about this because a democrat was in power you know not she's actually canadian she doesn't even live here Um, those canadians they're so nice I know they're just like troublemakers. Well, no, that's subject that's, to interpretation. Um, that's different. Yeah, but yeah, I think like we need to have a consistency of witness that doesn't bend or bow, you know, based on yes, what's you know politically expedient. Um, and so that's that's a big thing for me is just standing apart and having like a yeah, just a consistent, coherent moral witness to our culture and to our world. So that's that's one thing that I, I just try and talk about whenever people say, oh, you know, it's it's political. Um, but the the other piece, so writing this book was also kind of my answer to that is is just me reckoning with what's going on in our culture because I think we're seeing in a lot of ways the the true state of the church right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was kind of this big unveiling and the division in our culture right now, again, it runs through every nook and cranny of our culture and the church again is not any different. That right. division right. in our political level, it runs straight through the church and that is a rebuke of us. Yeah that we have not been able to weather the political climate in a way that is distinguishably different. Um, so that's something that I, I think a lot about. And I wanted, I was wrestling with as a minister of the gospel, what did I get wrong? Like, how was I not discipling a better, higher witness in what I was doing? And so this book was me kind of wrestling with that. Um, but also, in a lot of ways, we didn't start a church because of what's going on in our country. But starting a church seems like a really great solution. Um, I don't know if that sounds weird, but I don't think getting on Twitter and like mouthing <laughs> off about what's going on is going to create the sort of change that right. is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it starts at the level of discipleship and creating a community in which we are spiritually forming people, um, where we can have those hard conversations in person. Hmm. Um, In our church right now, we have people of vastly different political commitments all worshiping together and i don't know what's going to happen with the election but i know like we talked about derwin gray earlier but yeah 
when we were at his church in the fall, he said that he already, he has been discipling his people in preparation for the 2020 election. Wow. And to me, that seems like the best answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then to also know at the end of the day, and we can look back on history and history bears it out that there's going to be a sifting. There's going to be a sorting where God separates the wheat from the, sh- the chaff and the sheep from the goats. And mm-hmm. um, we can't, it just is. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And so we do our best to like disciple people and to speak truth and to have those like embodied hard conversations but at the end of the day like some people will be blind yeah 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 very true um and i know i just uh i don't want to i really don't want to wrap this up boy i just want to keep talking i know uh, but i'm also looking at my phone and 16 percent tells me 16 <laughs> percent uh so the last thing we need is her giving like the word of revelation and it just goes dark uh, <laughs> uh, uh i think that's the best way to go i mean that's yeah. how the bible ends it's yeah. like revelation yeah. boom over. Uh, yeah, I, did, I, I wanted to to tie in um the obviously the the eye to eye portion of this uh, inspired to inspire and i told you one of the things i believe is that um some of the greatest tragedies or even just the things that can stir us in the wrong way can also inspire us to do some of our best stuff and you are clearly doing some really good stuff uh i think the last chapter um was a very inspirational moment for you which as i was reading it i was like uh-uh no no not me uh so yeah walk us through um you know not briefly but you know, still 16 percent. we're good all right cool um <laughs> walk us through uh perpetua and felicity and and what oh, that yeah. does for you in your life yeah walk us yeah through that. so i always tell people um a lot of people they front load their content like their best content is at the front of their book because most people don't finish books mm-hmm. but with both of my books i saved some of my best content for the very very end and i have heard from a lot of people that that last chapter is their favorite chapter of the <laughs> whole book um but yeah, what I what I write about is these two women who were martyrs in the early church. And their story is unbelievable and it's horrific and it's devastating, but they are thrown into prison because of their faith. Um they I think one is pregnant at the time and gives birth in prison and the mm-hmm. other has a child and one of them, her father, is like begging for her to recant her faith. Yeah. And to just and so she's having to choose essentially between am I going to stay alive to like raise my child or am I going to be faithful to Christ? Which is just an impossible choice you know yeah and the story goes that they both chose christ and so they they both um were taken into like a coliseum or something like that and this crowd watched as they were mauled by animals and i think eventually killed by soldiers but they were reported to have just done it with um glowing faces like they knew they were about to meet their their creator their father their savior um and it's just this really inspiring story but like as a mother i first read that story when i was in college i think and back then when you're 22 you're like i'll do anything for jesus you know and (laughs) and now i'm like oh this is horrible and like i don't know if i could make this choice you know 
But I shared this story because, you know, we started out the conversation by saying, so you say don't be nice. Like, do you mean we we shouldn't be jerks? You know, what are you saying? Right. And I, I wanted to be clear that when I say that God never called us to be nice, that doesn't mean you get on Twitter and you just rant. It doesn't mean that you, you know, sin in your anger. Like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you be intentionally divisive. When I say that God never called us to be nice, I'm thinking of these two women. Mm. And they... They were not nice women. You know, one of them was a slave, but one of them was, uh, came from a family of, of wealth and, and of privilege. And I'm sure there was sort of like a plan for her life and like a track that yeah. her parents thought she would be on. And she, you know, quote unquote, she rebelled against all of that in a sense. She didn't do the nice, she wasn't a nice daughter, <laughs> um, didn't do the nice Roman citizen thing. Um, but her her witness, both of these women, their witnesses are remembered as what we are actually called to as followers of Christ. And that is the kind of witness that I I want to live and that I want to disciple and other people. And I want to end by sort of casting this alternative vision because I think we sort of look around, we we can compare ourselves to other people and say, well, at least I'm not doing that. Like I'm better than this person. And <laughs> I just yeah. want to sort of like raise our eyes up a little bit and say, no, the, the bar is actually much, much higher than that. Yeah, and this on, is our legacy. Like this is what we are heirs to as right. members of the church. So that was where I wanted to land. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh God. Mm. <laughs> yeah. This, well, uh, this was a, Amazing conversation, uh, amazing book. I definitely want to look up the uh, first book you wrote now as well, yeah. um, and and read that one. Uh, it seems yeah, like a yeah. You do need to you need to be free of yourself. You I really well, do. no, I certainly do. I need uh, ultimate freedom from myself. I'm my own captor. <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you guys one thing about that book that I did not anticipate is when I speak at conferences and stuff, and I do like a book signing. Some occasionally people will kind of slide the book towards me and they'll say, you know, my mother-in-law really needs this book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was like, that's not why yep. I wrote this. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite when people are like, you know who really needs to hear this? I would just yeah. like not me, but somebody this else. Other person, yeah. <laughs> not for me. Yeah. This is really going to bless your yes, life. It's amazing sweetie. how uh, aware we are of others, yet lack mm-hmm. self awareness. Yeah. Yo, ha- mm-hmm. no, remember hashtag self aware. That's that's the trendy thing right now. Everybody mm-hmm. is so self aware. I can't wait until they're not anymore, so then they can actually mm-hmm. be self aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, do you have uh, any 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 parting words you want to to say to anybody who's listening to this that? really is struggling with uh, no longer being nice. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I would say that the alternative takes practice. Yep. That being a person of courage, being a person of integrity, it takes practice just through daily habits of small steps of faithfulness to God. And so to not feel defeated or discouraged because you're not where you want to be, but just in this moment, in this day, 
what can you do to form yourself more into the likeness of Christ? Yeah. Amen. That's amen. That's Very good. cool. Well, Miss Sharon Hottie Miller, thank you so, so much for yes. coming and hanging out with us and, and rocking with us. Uh, we appreciate that. It means more than you know, for real. For real. Uh, well, it was, it was my pleasure. And if you guys are ever in the Durham area, come see our church. We'd love to have you there. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like fun. And so, I also, uh, I noticed just before I let you go, I was going through your Twitter, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that oh. uh, you you are also an Oscar nerd like me. Oh, snap. This just <laughs> happened. Uh-huh. I saw it. I'm like, yes! Oh. I had an Oscar party. We made, oh, really? we made like treats and cocktails and all kinds of stuff and i made jordan talk about the oscars like two straight weeks on our podcast and yeah, oh really oh yeah oh man yeah. so i i missed some of it because i think we were putting our kids to bed or uh-huh. i that's, don't know that's why we melatonin gummy them and put them to bed at 7 <laughs> yeah seriously real talk real talk yeah um no but cynthia arrivo yes. is that her name uh-huh. holy yeah moly whenever my wife and i see people like that we're like why do some people get all the talent? Yeah. Like she can act and sing? Come on. Like take something. Well, also, I, how did Elton John win the Oscar instead uh, of her? Yeah. Well, we, we I don't, don't understand that. But she, that song, speaking of prophetic, I've listened to that song about a thousand times that she performed it. Mm-hmm. That is a prophetic song. Yeah. Mm. It's powerful. Yeah, it means a little oh bit more goodness. today than <laughs> what Elton John was singing about, but you know. Oh fun. yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, story. that was I was really mad hey, about listen, that. Man, but that Rocket was... Man has had a lot of real rich de- I got nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, actually, it did two years ago, but we don't need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. Well, ma'am, um, as sure as I think I have like six percent left on my phone now, it's probably <laughs> okay. a good idea for me to go ahead and put it to pasture. But yes. we are hoping to have you back on again one day soon, so keep writing, okay. keep doing what you're doing. Um, is there anything that anybody needs to know about you coming up events or anything, uh, in the next few, anybody in the dorm area or otherwise? Um, I don't think so. I'm I'm not traveling as much just because it's a lot with our kids and with church. Um, I don't think I'm going to be in the Virginia area anytime soon. Well, that sucks, but okay. Yeah. Cool. But um, you can find my speaking schedule on my website, which is just sheworships.com. Sheworships.com. Okay. Cool. Got it. We'll mm-hmm. make sure we put that in the notes as well. Excellent. So. Those are notes indeed. Well, again, Sharon Heidi Miller, thank you so very much again. For thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great rest of the week. All right. Likewise, girl. Take it easy. again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of eye to eye please don't forget to follow us on fb inspired one enterprises on insta at eye to eye podcast 
That's the letter I underscore the number two underscore the letter I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I do it like the, the nice white people with the good voices? No? I'm just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. <sighs> Thank you again, guys. See you next week. <laughs>